You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. When this global pandemic all began, they gave us two rules, right? They said, uh, don't touch your face with your hands and wash your hands continuously. And it turns out, wash your hands is something that we should have been doing all along. And, um, and if you're like me, you probably slacked on that. But now I wash my hands probably more than I need to. But uh, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I'd rather wash my hands too much than not enough, right? So why is it important to wash your hands? That's the question I want to kind of begin kind of us thinking towards today. Why is it important to wash your hands? And it's because dirty hands is how stuff gets spread. I know, right? No big uh, announcement there. We know that. Dirty hands is how stuff gets spread. So with that in mind, this is week three of our series, So Now What? So so now I'm a Christian, so now what? Maybe uh, you are a new Christian and new follower of Jesus, and you're, you're, you're uh, seeking like, okay, so now what? Or maybe you have been a Christian for a while, but you've never really been what we call discipled, like kind of shown uh, really what it looks like to follow Jesus. You just made a decision, but you haven't really stepped into a, the role of being a disciple. And maybe you're wondering, so now what? Or maybe you're like a lot of us are. It's 2020, and things are crazy, and the world is just an up upheaval. Our country is in an upheaval. The church seems to be like it's in an upheaval. And what does it look like to be to, to follow Jesus in 2020 and going forward. So now what? Now, back to the dirty hands thing. We certainly don't want to spread anything harmful. Absolutely not. That's that's why we wash our hands. But what we do want to spread is the love of Jesus. And in order to do that, what we find is we have to get our hands dirty. And so we're going to dig into that uh, this morning. We're going to go with our, our theme scripture to start with. It's in, in Mark chapter 12, 29. And then we'll go to our main text for today, Matthew 20, verses 20 through 28. But in, Ma- but in Mark 12... Uh, the, the teacher of scripture, he comes to Jesus and he just says, uh, he knew, he, he, he's kind of wanting to know, what, what do you consider the most important commandment? Jesus is a rabbi, a teacher, and this, this other guy's a, a part of the, the Pharisees, I guess. He's, a, he's one of the teachers of scripture. They're all about the Torah. And um, he comes to him and Jesus quotes the Torah to him. I mean, this guy's a teacher of the scripture and Jesus uses that very scripture that he's an expert in to, to get us. Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 and 5 in Leviticus 19, 18 that Jesus quotes. And in Mark 12, 29, it shows the quote, The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself no other commandment is greater than these and so a couple of weeks ago we kicked off this series by saying we have to learn to develop a heart of worship we want to love god with all our hearts well, we have to develop that heart of worship and then last week we said well, it's not like it's in our hearts but we also as it goes to our head we have to you know love the lord god with all your mind is like how do i how do i do that and it turns out that that the new testament tells us that when we follow jesus and we have the holy spirit within us we have the mind of christ and so we can begin to develop what that looks like to have the mind of christ and today we're going to take what's in our heart and in our hands, our, our head, and move it to our hands, and and understanding that in order to, to love God with all our strength, uh, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, means you know, our time's going to be when our hands get dirty. So Jesus in Matthew twenty, and this is the scripture at Awaken Church. We've we've done uh, studies on, we've 
preached on a, a couple of times before. So it's not a new scripture, but it's a new application or fresh application maybe for us today. So in Matthew 20, Jesus and his disciples, they're on their way to Jerusalem where Jesus is going to be crucified. And he tells them what's about to happen. He, he actually lets them know like this is what's going to happen when we get here. And then he prophesies the resurrection and the kingdom of God. And they don't quite get yet, like understand fully at this moment what the kingdom of God's really all about. They wouldn't understand that until after the resurrection. But now in this moment, they didn't quite get it. And so Jesus in this story will tell them and, and, and show them and us uh, the way to be like him, the way to, to love your neighbor, the way to really love one another, the way he loves us. Um, and so let's get into it. Matthew 20, beginning of verse 20. So the mother of James and John, these are two of the disciples, they're the sons of Zebedee, come to Jesus and her sons, with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is the request, Jesus asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right hand, another on your left. Then Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, we're able. And Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or on my left. My father who has prepared those places for, er for the ones he has chosen. Then, then when the t ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them all together, and he said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, speaking of himself, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we get ready. We're going to kind of break down the story a little bit and look at some different parts of it this morning. And as we do, here's our big idea. In the spreading of the love of Jesus, expect your hands to get dirty. In spreading the love of Jesus, this is what it, that's, that's the, so now what? I'm a Christian, so now what? Spread the love of Jesus. What does that look like? Well, Jesus is saying to us, expect your hands to get dirty. So the first thing that we want to do is to do this is check our motives. You need to check your motives. Um, Recently, there's been a lot of racial tension and, and, and frustration that's kind of resurfaced in our culture, uh, over and, and rightly so, over some, some uh, atrocities that have happened. Um, and in the, in the context of trying to bring about reconciliation and, and conversation, uh, Pastor Louis Giglio, who I'm familiar with, I actually met Louis almost two decades ago, and then he's, he's become like, I, you know, famous is, I don't know if that's the right word, but he pastors a mega church in Atlanta. He's written a number of books, he's written a number of songs that you've probably heard or, or been a part of that whole uh, idea with, with some of the songs you may have, may have heard. Um, he's got some great video teaching series out there. And oh, his heart his heart is all about uh, recon reconciliation and unity and, and, and the love of Jesus, like for real. This guy, I've seen him live it out um, and I've heard him teach it big time. But he had this, this gathering and he had a couple of pe people on stage and they were having this conversation. And here's the, the thing he said that really got people mad. And he said, instead of white privilege, try to think of it as white blessing. Now, now that really, and, and it's understandable, really, if, if you're paying attention, why that would make so many people upset and mad. 
But when he was, but when he checked himself and he checked, he's like he checked his own motive and caught himself. Within 24 hours, he made a statement, and he came out just tearfully asking for forgiveness and explaining what he meant to address was our atrocious history of slavery. And I, and, and the reason I, I use that language was because people just immediately don't even listen to you when you use the word right, white privilege because they're so offended by the, the term white privilege that I've tried to get people to listen by helping them understand it in the term of a blessing. The problem is it made me sound like I was proud of this history of slavery, and and. and Guys, Louis certainly is not proud of that. He's not he's not happy about it. He's actually somebody who essentially says this is this wasn't this happened and it was atrocious and this is but this is but this is where we are now and we've got to work together to move forward. And he says I I've got to continually check my motives. Are they in line with Jesus? And for me, that's what I want to do. And I've got to admit, I don't always get it right. How often do you check your motives? And, and what do you measure your motives by? You check them. Do you measure them by Jesus or something else? So the mother of the disciples in James and John, she, she comes to Jesus with this request. What's the motive? The event that the, this, this experience that takes place is also recorded in Mark chapter 10 of the, of the Gospels. And when we compare those two accounts, the two stories, it's obvious that James and John were eager for their mom, whose name is Salome, and forgive my pronunciation, um, to go make this request to Jesus. See, when we just read Matthew by itself, it seems like she just takes it upon herself. But when you compare the two in Mark 10 and Matthew uh, 20, you see that, well, they were very eager. They actually were sending her, Mom, go talk to Jesus for us. Matthew Matthew says that she comes and she knelt respectfully. Now, this is a customary sign of reverence. It's a sign of respect and honor and, and definitely appropriate, especially in the culture of the time that it took place. But some translations use the word that she came and she worshipped at Jesus' feet. And that certainly fits when you understand who Jesus is, the, the, the Son of God. He's the you know We call him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then she asked Jesus, can you do me a favor? I mean, do me a do me a solid. We're friends, right? Make James and John the top guys in your kingdom. The top guys. So Jesus, speaking of the kingdom of God, he addresses this in such a way that we sometimes miss because we just read it at face values from our understanding. See, there's this document called the Talmud. It says that when the Messiah comes, he will set up an earthly, physical kingdom that will last for a thousand years. So Jesus teaches that the Talmud actually misinterprets Old Testament prophecy and that his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom that will never end. And when he taught about this, they didn't fully comprehend it at the time. Jesus taught the first shall be last and the, and the last shall be first. And they still argued about who would be first because they didn't quite understand. So we can come to the same place today and we can be that same way we're interested in earning a crown but jesus says take up your cross and james and john and their mama wanted to be the closest to jesus and have a higher rank than anyone else and all three of them wanted it done their way check your motives i have a friend named andy Andy Stevenson, he wrote a book called Smooth Handoffs. Great book if you get a chance to, to pick it up. In Smooth Handoffs, he writes this, Our love for God and for others, inspired by His love, should spur us on to live a life that displays grace and love. The younger generation yearns to see leaders who are honestly and consistently asking themselves, what would God want me to do? We have to constantly evaluate our motives and check them by Jesus. 
So check your motives. And then here's a thing that, that we really, maybe we don't like, or maybe we've missed, and maybe we haven't nearly preached it and lived it and modeled it, but expect it to get messy. And you are loving your neighbor as yourself. When you're loving God with all your strength, expect it to get messy. Now, I've had the, the privilege, I've had the, the, I consider it an honor to be able to go on a number of mission trips, some overseas and some within, within the, the, the United States. Um, but on every mission trip, regardless of if it was a foreign mission trip or a, you know, a, a mission trip within our own country, you expect to get messy. You're going to be, you may be painting, you may be picking up trash, you may be uh, building something or, or uh, you know, working with, working with children on the street. You're, you, you're, you're going to get filthy. You're going to get paint on your clothes. And, and you know what? Nobody cares. You expect it because you're on a mission. Get it? You expect it to get messy and you don't mind that it gets messy because you're on a mission. When was the last time your faith led you to get messy in the mission of your own neighborhood, in the mission of your own community? So Jesus tells Salome and her boys, James and John, you don't even know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? Now, this is an interesting turn of phrase because this was originally written in Greek, and this term for cup is poterion. And again, forgive my pronunciation, but it, it was used as a symbol of affliction. It meant, it meant suffering. It meant this is your fate. And when Jesus uses this, this, this turn of phrase about the cup, they would know, they would understand. He's talking about, some, he's, going to talk, he's talking about there's an affliction, there's a suffering. There's, there's, there's a, can you take this as your fate? This is going to happen. And it's interesting, interesting. James and John immediately answer, yep, we got this, Jesus. We can do it. Did they answer without thinking it through? Jesus responds, you will drink from this cup indeed. See, we struggle a little bit with the same thing today. We want the glory. And Jesus says there's going to be some grief. We want the glory. And Jesus says it's going to be hard. There's going to be grief. And if we're serious about following Jesus with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we will face difficulty. It will get messy. In Philippians 1.29, the, the, the message paraphrase puts it like this. There's far more to this life than trusting in Christ. There's also suffering for him. And the suffering is as much as a gift as the trusting. When's the last time you heard that? Because <laughs> we think, well, all there is to this life is just trusting Christ. Just tr- trust in Jesus. Just trust in God. <coughs> Excuse me. And the, the scripture itself here says there's so far more than than trusting Christ. You've got to trust Christ, but there's also suffering for him, and this is a blessing. It's as much a gift as it is as is trusting him. So the phrase, drink this cup, it means it indi- it's an indication that one would drain it completely. It would be completely empty. The symbolism is here. Jesus is like, I'm going to be completely emptied of everything. Can you be emptied? Can you serve? Can you work for the kingdom? Can you can you love? Can you can you treat your neighbor in such a way that you'll just be empty? You'll empty yourself. See, serving God with all your strength is it, it isn't always easy. Because it, it will take all your strength sometimes. And this is where the beautiful gospel is 
we have strength that's not our own so that when we have worshipped God, we have served God, we have loved God with all our strength, he then gives us his strength, a renewed strength to rise up and continue to walk and serve. And if you're serving in a ministry ever right now, if you've served in an area of ministry, if you've been a a volunteer, even if you've been paid staff on a church, you know, you, you probably have already experienced this, that, that, that it, you get tired and your strength runs low and you get empty, but you don't stay empty. He fills you back up with his own presence and power and strength. The real question is, are you willing to get your hands dirty? That's the question we all have to answer. Are you willing to get your hands dirty? Because if you follow Jesus, you have to be willing to get your hands dirty. If you're not willing to get your hands dirty, eventually you're going to stop following Jesus. So we follow Jesus' model. That's the last thought I want to kind of bring this home on for the next few minutes. Follow Jesus' model. A model. When I think of a, the model of Jesus, you know, there's a, there's conversations for the last at least decade, but I know the last few years because I've really been paying attention of we need a new model. We need a model for church that includes how do we reach millennials? How do how do we reach Gen Z or whatever we're going to call the next generation? Um, now you know recent days and even even before the the you know current situation has happened, uh, there's been a lot of conversation. We need to find a way to come together and develop a model for racial re- reconciliation within the church because the church needs to lead the way, and we need this new model. And I'm hearing these conversations, sometimes even involved in these conversations through social media while at sitting at my table. The conversation is, let's discuss developing a model for reaching millennials and gen z we got to bring them to the table and literally at my table in my dining room around it are leaders of awakened church the ministry here and the leaders of this ministry are millennials and gen z and we have to have this conversation that we need to bring not just the next generations but but let's discuss race in the church and how to deal with these issues and we're sitting at my table at the table in my home discussing this. And while you're trying to get white people and people of color to discuss the issues, we're already gathered around a table. We're already breaking bread together. We're already ministering together. We're already working through what it looks like in each other's lives to live this way. We don't need to develop a new model. We need to be awakened and follow the model of Jesus. He's already shown us the model. Come to the table. There's room at the Father's table for you. Come to the table. Doesn't matter what your your skin color is or your 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 your, your nationality is or you know your gender or, or your 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 so socioeconomic status, your class. It doesn't matter whether you vote red or blue or somewhere in between. What matters is you come to the table and you have a conversation and you break bread together. This is Jesus' model and his model is to put others first. That's the problem. Why is it so difficult to put others first? So when the other ten disciples heard the request of James and John and their mom, I love this verse. It says they were indignant. Man, that means they were mad. They were ticked off (laughs) i've seen a lot of indignant 
things on social media. This means they were really, really mad at the motives of James and John and their mama, and they, they weren't about to give up those top two spots without a fight, and they weren't, I, don't, I, I believe this, they weren't appalled at the selfishness of the, of the request. They were mad because James and John got there first. The attitude of the tens no better than the attitude of the two brothers. They're indignant because, well, James and John got to ask. We, I wanted to ask to be first, and they, they beat me to it. Selfishness always results in disunity. When we think only of ourselves, community breaks down, and unity is replaced by division and backbiting and gossip and slander. And that's why one of the best things a church can do is it's, it's come together and serve together. Serve one another, yes, but serve the community together. And that's what happens here in verse 25. Jesus calls them together. He calls them together. He says, bring it in, guys. Get a little closer and listen to what I've got to say. He says, the system of this world works this way. Those in charge, those in power, they lord it over those, the rest. They, 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 they make sure they stay in power. We've got to be differently. You've got to be different. The church is different than this. The world's way teaches us to get on top where you can be the boss. And Jesus says, not so with you. Guys, where in your life is Jesus saying, the world says it's this way, but not so with you. Not so with you. He continues, whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant. This was and is countercultural. It's an extremely radical teaching because we don't want to be a servant. We want to be served. We feel like it's owed to us to be served. And Jesus says, you can't be great in the kingdom of God with that attitude. Servants are considered socially inferior. And Jesus says, if you're serving, you're great. Quit listening to what the, you know, the cultural norm is. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, if you're serving, you're great. Now, the drive of the Christian is to minister to people, not to be admired by people. The drive isn't to be, be, be great. The drive is just to love your neighbor as yourself. The drive is to, bring, to minister, which means to meet needs, not to be admired. So the way Jesus looks is vastly different than the way of the culture. And Jesus shows us this. He says, he says this, three things. To have real life, you must lose it. To have, it's, it's Matthew 16, 25. To have real life, you've got to lose it. He says, to receive, you must give. We all want the receiving. He says, no, no, no. The receiving comes when you give. Matthew 19, 21. And then he said, we read today in Matthew 20, 26, to lead you must serve. Jesus shakes up our self-centered Moses uh, motives <laughs> and tells us following him will get messy. He challenges us to put others first and he shows us how by modeling, just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's the model. So today, instead of emulating Jesus' model and getting our hands dirty, many just want to wash their hands clean of everything they can. Well, I just, you know, I, I'll just wash my hands of that. Jesus' model is seen all over the New Testament, but maybe no more clearly than in John 13, where Jesus is having the last supper, the, the Passover meal, the last Passover with his disciples. In John 13, and ver verse 4 says, He got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water in the basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet and drying them with a towel around him. 
You see, the roads in Jerusalem were covered with this with thick dust, and, and, and they were traveled not just by people, but by animals. And when someone entered your home, a servant washed their feet, kneeling down to scrub away the dust and the mud and the manure. To wash feet was to have dirty hands. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And if we are to grow as his people, we have to have the same attitude. We have to do the same as Jesus. And Jesus shows us the way. And in spreading the love of Jesus, expect your hands to get dirty. What is your next steps? What are what are our next steps? Well, I I have three action steps, and I've these are these will be a repeat for awakened church family members, and use this as an opportunity to 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 maybe re retake a couple of these steps, or maybe as an opportunity for the first time to really go. You know what? I'm got, I need to do this. I need to, I need to live this way. Here's the three steps. Number one, love whoever is in need. Whoever, whoever is in need love them and love and remember love is an action word love is a verb be the verb for whoever is in need the second step is to serve whenever you can now there are times and there are places where you can't serve i'm not saying it's times when it makes you i'm not talking about being uncomfortable uh, i'm not talking about uh you know you know um stretching yourself Definitely, Jesus teaches us to serve and get out of our comfort zones and that we need to stretch ourselves. So, but there are times when it's impossible for you to do something or it's not, it's not, it's not the right thing. And, and, and if you're walking with Christ, you'll know that. And you know what else? There'll be times when you mess up and you miss it. And I do too. And there's grace for that. But have this in your heart. Serve whenever you can. And number three, do whatever it takes. Take the third step and do whatever it takes. Short of sin, uh, hopefully that's understood. Do whatever it takes short of sin. So love whoever is in need, serve whenever you can, and do whatever it takes short of sin to love your neighbor as yourself. And in doing this, you love God with all your strength. It's a beautiful thing. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge to love you with all we have and all we are, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Lord, in this very day and time and culture that we're in, we need we need to re rethink, relearn how to come back to the model you already have for us. So Lord, help us, help us, Lord. We ask you to guide us to take those steps, to take these steps, to lead us. Lord, I pray right now for those who are, are, are here in this sermon, Lord, that, that we would have opportunities today to show love to someone who, who, who's, who's far from you, Lord. And as we do so, Lord, help us to walk with, with the kind of grace that only comes from you, that we don't do any of this to be admired or to, or, or, or to celebrate that we did it, but to point, to point others to you, to point ourselves continually to you. For you, Lord, are worthy of all our praise and all our glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church. Or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.